Hey everyone, my name is Sambal Siddiqui, Mayor of Cambridge. I'm Alana Mallon, Vice Mayor, and this is our podcast, Women Are Here. We're here. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, hello. Hey. It has been a few weeks. Uh, we are not weekly anymore um, because everything, everything's going on, but we're here today and uh, yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. It's Friday, which is, uh, I saw a tweet this week that was like, every day is blurs day, which I just thought was so funny. Every day is just blurs day. <laughs> I feel like that. <laughs> it definitely just, feels like that. Mm-hmm. And this is weird, like doing this podcast over Zoom, I just feel like it's so odd. Um, I mean, I feel like doing everything over Zoom is so challenging. I know, Zoom, what a world we live in. I feel like I need a new eyeglass prescription. Yeah, yeah. My eyes are just going from like looking at a screen all day long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's been challenging. Yeah, it's been a hard week. Um, I. I think that everything that's happened this week, and I'll start with George Floyd's murder, um, it just did come out that that, that police officer who um, you know, kneeled on his neck and killed him um, was just charged with third degree murder and manslaughter. Um, and you know, he was clearly, him and other officers were fired uh, but the, you know, the murder, there's, we've talked about this, uh, but there's just no words to express, you know, the, the anger and sadness after watching that. And also thinking about how his murder is among too many that have come before him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, there's just so many names, uh, and, uh, again, I've been kind of at a loss of words and my team has been feeling it too of this happens and it's been happening in our country and you know we look at you know going back to the history of our country and the the vile vile acts that have you know that keep happening um, and you know we we have to continue to stand against it and think about how we're all complicit in it Right. And um, anyway, it's just it's been a challenging week of and the week started with that woman, that white woman, Amy, Amy Cooper, Amy Cooper, um, starting calling the cops, you know, and putting, you know, threatening to putting, you know, an African-Americans, a man's life in danger. Right. And it's just, oh, I just have so much anger um, toward, you know, white people right now. And I'm really trying to um not all white people but you know what i mean but it's just been really it's just been challenging to see this well it's been quite a couple of weeks like if you think about first of all did they only charge the officer that was actually kneeling on his neck or the other officers who were clearly complicit in his murder also um by not doing anything by not stopping it right right i think it's just updated right now and it's saying that it seems it's just him, um, which, which I mean, is filed by the... All four of them need to be charged. All, all four, they're complicit. And, you know, I was of reading course. an article about the poor woman, the young woman who, who recorded it. She's traumatized. I mean, I can't imagine standing there and having to watch that. 
as a bystander and knowing that you have to be the bystander to make sure that people see it, to make sure that people understand what happened and to be that reporter and that historian and make sure that people can be held accountable. But I, I can't imagine being her right now. And I'm grateful to her for being there um, mm -hmm. and putting herself in that situation and in that trauma so that we, everyone has a mirror and, and we have a record of what happened and you know, you're right. It's, it's a long, it's a long line of beautiful black lives that have been lost at the hands of the police. Um, and, you know, that happening on the heels of Amy Cooper calling the cops on a birder who had asked her just simply to obey a leash law in Central Park. Um, she knew what danger she was putting him in. And we're all very lucky that that turned out a different way um, and that he wasn't another victim. But yes, the, the white people of this country have a lot to answer for. Um, and we, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah, and even as like another, you know, as a South Asian woman, I'm like, just in our community too, there's so much work that needs to be done on, on this issue as well and um, I'm just I yeah so I, I you know I think we, we have to really think about uh, and talk about this right and I read over the weekend I read two books on um, I, I finished Just Mercy and then I read oh um, I have you seen the movie no I haven't either we should um we should do like a Netflix watch party because we really should yeah I really want, I don't want to watch it alone and um, Bob hasn't read the book and I really, I feel like I need to see, I, I feel like I need to see some of this. Yeah, yeah, I want, so that's a really good book. Um, and then the next book is, uh, it's The Sun Does Shine and it's by Anthony Hinton who was in prison for 30 years, wrongfully convicted for on death row. Um, and yeah, you know, so much of the, the stuff that he, they write about in these books really we see what's happening with what happened with george floyd um it's all connected and it's just um yeah it makes me really want to kind of think i don't know i <laughs> i've told you this like i'm like i've i've always wanted to do like wrongful death you know wrongful convictions and um get more involved in the criminal justice system um and you know i, I think it's really vital that we we really um, uh, provide a more of a um, lens and a microphone to these issues. Yeah. It was interesting, and we can talk about the budget a little bit later, but it was interesting having the police budget come before us um, on Tuesday on the heels of both the Amy Cooper uh, yeah. video and the George Floyd murder and really be thinking about and talking about how do we transform and continue to transform our police department um, and what does that look like? And, um, you know, I, I think I've made it a priority of mine to try to figure out how to diversify the police department, how to make sure that there is that transparency. Um, I'm looking forward to the dashboard, the public dashboard that will um, really inform police interactions with our residents and by race and, and really see where problems are coming up and address them. So right now we don't have that. And I think that's critical, especially, you know, we can do all the trainings that we want and um, 
but unless we have some measure of understanding whether or not those trainings are working and whether or not we still have issues, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what is on my mind and this week's kind of been blah, but we, we met a few times. <laughs> we have met a few times this week. So uh, we did have the budget on Tuesday, uh, which lasted all day. But we also, um, because we had a holiday on Monday, apparently it was a holiday, uh, we didn't have a, a city council meeting. But we did have a special meeting yesterday to get a COVID update. So, you know, before we start, I really want to stop and acknowledge that all the residents living in Cambridge that we've lost due to COVID-19. We have lost 90 residents in Cambridge. So 68 of those residents were living in long-term um, care facilities, uh, so nursing homes, and then 22 were living in, in Cambridge in our community. So we've lost almost 100 lives in the past 12 weeks. And really that number to me is heartbreaking. Um, yeah. I, I feel like there's so many days and hours where we just are trying to get to the next thing and solve a problem and, and trying to make sure that we're staying ahead of some of the stuff that we don't always take that minute and that breath to really acknowledge all that we've lost, all those that we've lost and the lives that we can't get back who were, um, you know, I, I don't know if you read the New York Times this weekend, the front page and then three inside pages, they um, did a short obituary on a thousand people out of the hundred thousand mm -hmm. people that died. And, I was really moved by just that short one sentence that, I mean, it was like young people, old people, famous people, not famous. It's like the teachers and nurses and pianists and cartoonists. It was just, it's devastating the amount of people that we've lost across the country. But I, I really want to acknowledge that we've lost people here in Cambridge too. And, um, for those of you who are listening, whose lives have been touched by this um, disease and these deaths, I really, my heart goes out to you. Yeah, and you know, we on on Monday is the national it's day of mourning, and um, we'll definitely be acknowledging um, you know our residents who have passed, and um, you know something you know to we've also talked about is something more permanent to honor um, our lives, these lives uh, lost as well, so. I know that Somerville has uh, just announced that they're doing their flags at half mast um, to mourn for their dead. And I think you were mentioning that there are other um, less permanent things that people are doing across the country um, kind of in this moment. So anyways, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, we're, we'll, we'll definitely do it. Um, we, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, work that is happening, uh, that's related to testing right now. We've reunited last week that the city created a mobile testing site in the port neighborhood, which will wrap up uh, later this week. Uh, and uh, tomorrow it'll wrap up the 30th. And, um, we've also done testing in all for all residents. In North Cambridge, um, in um, excuse me, in the Cambridge Housing Authority's elderly buildings, as well. So, these mobile testing sites uh, complement the testing sites in East Cambridge, where any Cambridge resident over the age of eight can be tested for free, regardless of immigration, insurance, or um, symptomatic status. 
um, and the public health department is following up residents who get tested and is offering guidance to those who test positive. Uh, I also put in a policy order for Monday to expand, you know, text testing to areas in North Cambridge, um, such as the Fresh Pond Apartments. Uh, North Cambridge is a hotspot, and so I've been talking to, um, I've already been talking to our public health department about the the next spots and so um you know residents at cambridge at uh, freshman apartments had asked and i told them about the east cambridge one but um i think it would be great to be in in those neighborhoods yeah i'm i did i tell you i got tested you didn't <laughs> i went people um i went to well because i, I kind of wanted to see what the whole process was like and how easy it was to like get an appointment and um so I had so I made an appointment on a Wednesday and I had to go the following Wednesday. So it takes about a week. I'm not sure if it's still that way, but um, you get like a five minute appointment window. I pulled up in my car. You have to wear a mask in your car. You never get out of your car. There is a walk up and a drive up, um, or sorry, a walk up and a bike up portion that you can do. So you can any mode of transportation. Um, so you put your driver's license like up against the window in your car so they can mm -hmm. get in, they get, they assign you a test. So then the, the nurse comes right to your car, you put your window down and she shoves this like swab up your nose, right? Like I'd seen it, you know, on TV or in videos and stuff and it looks awful, but she was like, so this is going to, um, I'm going to, it's going to be very uncomfortable. I'm going to put it up for 10 seconds. And I was like, Ooh. 10 seconds that's a long time but i was like okay okay fine she shoves it up my nose and then pauses for like i have to say it was like at least three seconds and then started counting and i was like what like you already it's already been up there for three seconds and then the last like three seconds she was like really jammed it up there anyway um it came back negative but it took forever it took a really long time because of the holiday weekend mm -hmm. I didn't get my results back for almost a week. And like the lady called me and she was like, so, you know, you were negative, but you could have contracted COVID between then and now. Right, right. So it's, um, you know, if you're asymptomatic, I don't know. I just feel like if there's not that. We need rapid testing. <laughs> so, you know, my friends who are nurses at the Cambridge Health Alliance, you know, at Cambridge Hospital, they were saying patients are being tested um, as they're walking in the door. So like, she, you know, they're maternity nurses or whatever. And so if you come in the door and you're about to have a baby, they wrap it, they test you, and then it comes back within 30 minutes. So I was like, okay, why did I have to wait six days? And well, the, the, the issue is, so, you know, the kits, these test kits, they're coming from, we buy them getting them from the Broad Institute at about 100. Well, the ones that were doing mobile testing, I think it's still a few, it's it's similar to the, um, you, you know, the universal testing results, the East Cambridge site, but same with the mobile testing. It's taking, we're doing, having to do, you know, for this nursing homes, we did a few rounds, but that was paid for by Broad Institute. The homeless shelters and then, a lot of the testing that we've been doing in the elderly buildings and um, uh, others, it's the city is paying for it. And then it's going to get, it's getting processed at the Broad Institute and their testing site. And there's a whole backlog there, you know? 
Um, or it just takes a long time because we don't have just these fast tests. In the case. We, we do, but we need to have access to these tests that are coming um, much quicker. Well, yeah, I mean, and if you think about like the long-term care facilities, those folks who are in the long-term care facilities are not like going to the grocery store or, you know, out into the community, right? I mean, I was out doing stuff in those six days. <laughs> so anyway, it was, uh, it was painful, folks, um, definitely. Uh, I just want to tell you, it is 10 seconds at least, at least. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so I did get tested. It was not fun. So uh, at the meeting on yesterday, we also got some information about reopening, and the city has created a dedicated webpage with all the information you need to know about Cambridge's reopening. So for any residents or local businesses with burning reopening questions, the city also has published an industry-specific um, contact list for inquiries uh, related to opening. It's on the cambridgema.gov slash COVID-19 website. So halfway down, the page is um, a reopening section and you can click there's a red box that says reopening for a complete set of guidelines so. yes yes um definitely visit that page we also have a farmer's market update uh, the community development department has a release guidelines to help um, ensure we can safely um, shop at farmer markets this season Right now, the Central Square Farmers Market is open every Monday from 12 to 6, and the Charles River Farmers Market is open every Friday from 12 to 6. So um, they're a great opportunity to shop local and support our farmers, and more farmers markets will be, uh, begin opening throughout the city of the, in June. So I do yep. love farmers market. Farmers market. Um, the, the one on Harvard Science Center is opening up in June, and at all the farmers markets, you can use your SNAP uh, cards, and there's a SNAP match. So you get a $15 match um, if you use your SNAP card. So it increases the amount of your SNAP dollars at every farmer's market. We also got an update on the War Memorial Shelter. So uh, 81 individuals are currently eligible to stay at the shelter, which has um, an any given night accommodated as many as 65 homeless residents. Um, the quarantine area and the isolation area, which um, you know, the quarantine area, which would have housed residents uh, awaiting the COVID-19 test results has seen not too much use and the state um, is stepping up to house individuals who are COVID-19 positive. So those are both closing, those sections of um, the War Memorial are closing. So the field house, which um, houses the residents who have tested negative will continue um, operations. So that's the War Memorial update. We also, I think the star of the show yesterday during our special meeting, uh, was an update around transportation um, and as it relates to shared and safe and healthy streets and the policy order that the city council passed two months ago uh, asking the city to close streets to vehicular traffic as safe healthy streets including Memorial Drive um, and Joe Barr from the traffic and parking department gave the council the, the phase one of the plan so this past Sunday I'm not sure if everybody was able to go and enjoy Memorial Drive um, closed uh, to vehicular traffic and open for pedestrians and cyclists uh, like it normally does in the summertime from uh, sort of April to October. And it, I was down there all day long. I was tweeting videos and, and photos um, just to make sure things didn't get out of hand. And uh, it was a great day. It was beautiful. There was a ton of people, not, no overcrowding. Everyone was wearing masks and socially distancing. So the uh, second day that we are testing this out is this Sunday, May 31st. 
um, and I'm assuming that it will go all as well and as planned as the last time. I mean, I'd say that it was as busy as any of the summer Sundays that I've ever seen. You know, there's plenty of room. And, you know, I ran into one of our um, police officers who asked me, you know, are you, you know, you out taking walks a lot? And I was like, I actually don't because I feel like this is the first time I've been able to really relax and be outside and walk and exercise um, because I, our sidewalks are so small. I feel like every time you walk around a corner, you're running into somebody. So um, having more of these streets up and open to vehicular or to pedestrian traffic and bikes, uh, I think is key as we start to think about reopening. So um, I asked the question during the meeting, okay, so if Sunday goes well, uh, are we just thinking just weekends? Or are we doing seven days a week? Because the DCR um, roads in other parts of Eastern Massachusetts that they have closed down, you know, they've been closed ever since April, right? So it's uh, Francis, Francis Parkman Drive in Jamaica Plain, Greeno Boulevard in Watertown and William J. Boulevard in Boston. They're now closed seven days a week indefinitely. Um, so yeah. I'm that DCR and the city will be able to close down Memorial Drive, that part of Memorial Drive, um, seven days a week indefinitely as well. Yeah, and we also announced a safe and healthy shared street pilot. And thank you for all your work around this. Uh, so this plan would create shared streets, which would be open to pedestrians, cyclists, and local um, essential traffic on three key connector sites uh, to begin creating a network of shared streets. So. The streets are Magazine Street from Green Street and Central Square to Memorial Drive, um, and then Garden Street uh, to and Cameron Street and Garden Street and Field Street and Bay Street Road Corridor, which is basically the Harvard Square to Fresh Pond, uh, and then Third Harvard Street from Quincy to Portland Street um, to get people from Harvard to Kendall Square. So this is just really Phase One. Um, of a safe and healthy shared streets pilot, and it's going to be implemented the second week um, in June. Uh, and traffic and parking are looking at phase two uh, after that. Yeah, so traffic and parking said yesterday that they're working closely together with Arlington, Somerville, and Boston, who have all announced shared healthy streets plans as well to ensure that we have strong connectivity through those borders. Um, and another thing that many cities are looking into is expanding sidewalks into the street to give pedestrians more room and higher traffic areas, like Brookline has been doing this for a while, and extending businesses' spaces into the street to accommodate outdoor dining, entrance queues, and um, additional pickup areas and things like that. The entire city administration is looking into how to make that happen and quickly, so we're ready to go when that phasing happens um, for our small businesses and for our restaurants. It's a way for them to uh, actually add capacity without um, having too many people inside. So we have a small business advisory committee that's been working on this in their meetings and everyone feels like it's poised to make, we're gonna make this happen. So that's encouraging. And then one of the other things that this group has been working on that was announced yesterday too, um, was a marketing campaign called Pick It Up Cambridge, which educates consumers on the hidden costs to restaurants when they have food delivered by uh, a service like DoorDash, Grubhub, uh, Uber Eats, et cetera. So this cost to the restaurant can um, be 25% of the total order. So you think the restaurant's getting the full amount of the order and you're paying the delivery fee and a tip, but the website takes a pretty good sized chunk too. In the past, there was um, 
you know, the, the, these restaurants have had this service for a long time. It's not like they just signed up for DoorDash or Uber Eats, um, but it used to be that there was less online ordering so they could absorb that type of hit um, with other things like alcohol sales or, you know, in, in, in person dining. Uh, but now that takeout's the only thing, it's really impacting the restaurant community in a, in a negative way um, during a really difficult financial time. So it's, it's been a really tricky issue. And I think you've been more involved in the like legal side, Sumble, and what those issues are. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the issue is that, you know, because restaurants signed contracts that included uh, these highest fees, um, you know, us, the city putting a contract uh, or putting a cap, excuse me, could be a contract violation. So we heard that the city solicitor didn't feel that the city has the authority to enforce a commission fee cap on third party food delivery services. Uh, and I think where we are right now is, you know, we're looking, we've talked to Newton, we've talked to Boston, we've talked to some other cities to see, you know, like, can we work on this? Can we figure out how to get the momentum to urge the AG's office to institute a cap? Um, the AG's office, we were told, is working on it. Um, but, you know, really, there's also like a state bill um, that Senator um, Pat Jaland and others have sponsored but there's been no, there's no hearing scheduled on it. So right now this marketing campaign um, is just a small thing in between. I think we've gotten a lot of questions around, um, you know, why it's happening in Seattle, it's happening in, in, in these states, but the reality it has happened, hasn't happened here in Massachusetts yet. Um, so, you know, there's this urgency and a lot of frustration around this piece from a lot of our small business owners have gotten quite a number of emails uh, around this and saying, you know, you guys can do this under emergency powers. I think if we could do it, I think we'd really be able, really try to because we know it's such a big cost. But um, we're not the only city looking into this too. Like we've got, right. you know, we've got the weight of Boston on this and other communities that, you know, Normally, we only like if Cambridge is just trying to do a thing, everyone's like, oh, it's right. Cambridge and it's Massachusetts. But, um, you know, we've got the weight of some larger municipalities with us. And uh, so hopefully the attorney general's office can take it up and take it up quickly, because I don't think right. the legislature is going to move on on this. There's so many other things um, that they're trying to move forward on. Um, so we got to see the design of the Pick It Up Cambridge. And I have to say that I love it. Um, my friend Amanda designed it and I just love Ooh. her. So it looks great. Um, and I just, uh, you know, so moving on from that, I, this past week, we've really been thinking about food <laughs> and food access and food insecurity this summer. So we um, have been providing food at school meal sites, uh, at eight school meal sites across the city. School is ending soon. Um, so yeah. there has been a lot of conversations around where the transition happens from the school cafeteria and the um, the cafeteria employees making the food and the school administering the program with food for free volunteers um, and then transferring it into um, where it normally goes into the summertime with our summer eats program uh, through the Department of Human Services. So we um, are still working through some of those details, but I think we will end up with, um, you know, we're going to be serving food, meals at the same sites that we have been serving meals at since the beginning, um, because we do have quite a number of people that have, you know, 
been there every day and, and know that it's there and it would not be in our best interest to, to move those sites at this point. Um, so the question is when we will make that transition, whether it'll be the last day of school or if it will be that next week. Um, but so we will keep you posted on that, but just know that we, um, myself and Sumble have been working on um, making sure that there is meals for kids um, each and every day until there's some kind of semblance of school uh, and cafeteria that they can go back to. The other thing that we've I've been really working on is um, working with the food pantries and trying to figure out um, which food pantries are open and have been serving, which ones are wanting to open but um, may not uh, have the spacing to do it, may not have the volunteers to do it, may not have the PPE to do it. Um, and how can we think about food pantries as more of a resource um, rather than just going to get food. Um, one of the things that we've done over the past two months is work with CEOC to provide um, staffing to help connect people to things like SNAP, like WIC, uh, unemployment, grant programs, uh, mass health, things of that nature. So it's been going really, really well. And the number of people that CEOC has been able to sign up for SNAP, which is a much more sustainable um, option for people who are food insecure, for residents who are food insecure, um, has been has been a lot. Um, and mm -hmm. really excited about the the targeted nature of the list that we've been providing. And then, you know, it's been splintering out from there. So uh, how do we take that model that CEOC is working with and make it mobile and get it out to um, to food pantries and, and really do that deep connection uh, right on site with with residents who need it. I mean, this is going to be an evolving situation. I think um, unemployment isn't going anywhere. Uh, food insecurity isn't going anywhere. It, it possibly could even just get worse. So as we um, think about people going back to their jobs, we will have a lot less volunteers too. So we, there's a lot of systemic stuff that we're working on and those conversations are happening. Um, so I just wanted to let people know it's, it's, uh, it's been top of mind for me. It, it has been for you. Please trust that we are working on it. Yeah, no, thank you for all that you're doing on that. It's, it, we have a lot of more hardships to come. Yeah, and so speaking of the meal sites, can I just shout out that uh, <laughs> we had an amazing, amazing thing happen last week where um, one of the one of the owners of Porter Square Books actually donated fifteen hundred brand new books to the students that come and pick up meals at our food sites. It was a, a like an awesome, awesome day to have. Um, you know, each child that came and and grabbed lunch was able to go home with three brand new books that were, um, you know, really targeted at a certain you know, age group and, and the likes, you know, I was looking through some of the bags and it was like sports and, um, you know, I, I, they just did a really, really good job of putting together these books. And it was just so lovely. Um, so one of the owners, Dina Mardell, um, her mother just passed away last month. And so, you know, they wanted to really make a donation in her name. And she was an educator and somebody who really cared about uh, kids and making sure that they had access to reading materials. So it was a beautiful day. Uh, lots of kids got books and I, it was so great. I got to hand out books at one of the sites and just watching kids just plop down on the grass. Like they didn't even wait to get home. They were just like, I'm going to read this book right now. So yeah. Thank you so much to her. And yeah. we'll have some more book news to share in the future. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So 
You want to talk a little bit about the budget or we're going to wait until next week when it's all over and we can dig in. Let's wait till next week. We've, we've bored everyone enough today. <laughs> I'm bored. You're bored. We're all bored. <laughs> everybody go off to their weekend. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Friday. Stay safe. Go to Memorial Drive with your mask on. <laughs> with your family, with your friends. Take your bus. You know, you'll have space to social distance. And yeah, just stay safe out there and wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, wear your masks. And what else? <laughs> I'm like, what else can we tell people to do? Oh, take out, take out, take out, take out. Take out, but pick it up, Cambridge. Where are you going to go take out tonight? Oh, I'm going to do a socially distanced drink with a friend. Like oh. outside with a mask. Oh, okay. okay. I'm so going to try it. You're going to try it. Oh, can, can I just shout out um, a restaurant that is very kind? Um, they are called Nine Zab. Uh, they're Thai street food. It's Nine Zab on 569 Cambridge. They're, uh, they, it's Thai food. They do takeout. They are just so nice. Like, I've ordered a few things, like, really late, you know, like, one or two things here. They don't just, like, the last two orders, they've, like, added on something extra. Oh. You don't have to do that. And then today, last night, I went and picked something up after my virtual school committee meeting. I went in, and I grabbed it, and they were like, thank you so much. We, you know, added something to you. I was like, oh, thank you. So, everyone, please take out from this place, Nine's Ab Thai Street Food. They were very, very sweet. And the Thai food is really good. It's the one that's across from Elmendorf on Cambridge Street. Exactly, exactly. I love that place. I love it. It's delicious. so sweet. And um, yeah, I really want, so I'm going to probably, I love Thai food. So I know, I had Thai food last night too. That's so funny. You did? From where? Um, Similians. Oh, I I love them too. Yeah. I love them. Oh, I love Thai food. Now I want more Thai food. Okay. Anyway, um, that's what I'll do tonight. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.